0: Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. I'm David Lally, the producer of the show. Today, we'll dive into an age old principle with a modern application. At our live event in San Diego called Mastermind, Brian shared the law of the harvest as it relates to our business and lives. Let's listen in. So, it's called the law of the harvest. There are laws. There's a law of gravity. Is that true? Even those who aren't aware of the laws still benefit by the existence of the laws. Does that make sense? So there's a law of gravity. If I throw something up in the air, what's going to happen? So did Isaac Newton discover gravity? No, gravity was around for thousands of years before Isaac Newton. What Isaac Newton did was gave it a name and understood it and communicated it. And by the way, that changed a lot of things. Does that make sense? So what I want to talk to you about right now is a law that, first of all, this whole system of working by referral is based on, and it's ultimately why it works, okay? It's based on this law of the harvest. Many people call it many different things. Some folk call it God's providence. Some folks call it karma. Some folks say, hey, what goes around if I I'm going to say this, if people truly believe that in their hearts, then they wouldn't do all the things they do. Is that fair? If you truly believe that in its essence, you'd be nice to everybody. You'd be good to everybody. And you wouldn't be doing it out of fear. And you wouldn't do it just out of the expectation of gain. But that would certainly be jay I'm, I'm going to do this and do this and do this. I'm going to tell you that giving until it hurts is the way to go. Now, I'm going to give you the formula of the law. So I'm going to break it down. This is as close to Isaac Newton as I'm ever going to get. The kids and I and Beverly, we toured through Oxford, because that's as close to that place as we're ever getting. (laughs) We just remind people, when it comes to academics, we're very athletic. So right, right? So the law of the harvest looks like this, and it's in this order, and it's this priority. You give. You ask, and you grow. Give, ask, grow. Give, ask, grow. Okay? So this is the ingredients for the harvest. So for the harvest, what do you need? What do you need? What are the ingredients for a harvest? First thing you need is dirt. It's Called soil, but dirt. Okay? How do you prepare the soil? What's it called? Tilling. Oliver Flanagan from Kilkenny. What do we call it back home? Plowing. You don't say, you tilled. Like in the sport more, we say, plow into your man. That was coaching in Ireland. Plow into him, Buffer. That was all the coaching I ever heard. Plow into him, Buffer. Plow into him. And how about, coach, you say it so everyone on the field can hear it, including the referees, before the plowing begins. Now, lock in here, because funny man occasionally stumbles on a little profundity. (laughs) More by accident, but it still happens. So you till. See, till. Till is so soft. Plow. Say plow. Plow So why do they plow the field? Why do they plow it? Why do they have to do it? Okay, so this is hard at the beginning, right? This is hard to plant seeds and hard soil, but that's not really why they do it. Because the most fertile soil is six to nine inches down. Because all the nutrients, what happens is the water comes and the rain washes it down, and all the nutrients go down six to nine inches. So what they do is they plow a field. We were spiking the language a thousand years before you were a country, till... And they turn the soil. They turn the soil. The name of this soil down here has a name. It's called humus. It's humus soil. It's the root word for where we get humility. What happens in farming is what happens in life. It's what happens in business. The first thing is you have to till the soil, which means this. This has to get turned upside down, just so you know. Humility is the soil that's required for every growth. Sometimes in our life, our hearts get turned upside down. And it's like a knife went in there, cut it, and turned it upside down. And I'm not here to depression whatever else, but it's a good life, so I've always said it's not a great life. I'm a big fan. I don't, I don't preach to people, but you, need, you know where I come from. And when I read a book that fires me up every day that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he said it was... He said it was good. He didn't say it was awesome. And then he he created the oceans, and he said it was good. And then he created man, and he said it was good. And then he created woman, and it was, whoa, that's Beverly. And then he, whoa, man, that's where the name came from. Whoa, man. I mean, that's where it came from. Here's the thing. We always say it's a good life. It's not always a great life. Are you guys with me? Sometimes your life gets turned upside down, and here's what happens. That which was hard goes to the bottom. And that which is fertile and receptive goes to the top. When you go through the crap in life, none of us want it. How many of you have been through a very, very difficult experience in your life that you know was the making of you? Could you see your hands? Because when your life turns upside down, or the hard things happen, or the disappointments, as you might miss the shot to win the game. You might have lost the property during the recession. That one relationship, your hope, and that was stay together, didn't. You had the kid that you still have hope for, but they've gone off the reservation. The health situation you thought was going to turn out hasn't yet. And life turns upside down. Here's what happens. This is the breeding ground for all the good stuff. And once you have this humus, now you plant the seeds. Everybody with me? And then your water. Then you fertilize, and then you grow. And sometimes, it's a Japanese bamboo tree. You plant it in fertile soil. You are humble in your application. You've done all the right things. And still, you don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. And in our world today, but well, we want that now. We want the microwave now. I want this now. Are you guys with me? You keep doing your part. Everything else around, you'll do theirs. Giving is not the same as these other ingredients. The formula for success and the law of the harvest is not one part giving, one part asking, and one part growing. That's not how this works. That's not even close to how this works. Here's why it's tough. If you want to do this the right way, 80% of the law of the harvest is you you give first, and you give first, and you give first, and you give first, and you give first with no expectation of return. One of my favorite verses is, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. So never grow weary in doing good. Never grow weary in doing good. I say it to myself every day. Do you think I ever grow weary in doing good? Do you think people always respond great to it? It's easy to grow weary in doing good when you do great things for people. But you don't give with the expectation of getting. You give with no expectation. Never grow weary in doing good. Now, let me tell you this this is hard. It's going to require that you trust. You have to trust that this is a law. Have you ever given to somebody and they just kept taking? Are some people full time takers? Then we have to be very intelligent about what we're giving. Because if you keep giving and giving and giving, and you're getting burnt out on that regard, then sometimes it's an unhealthy form of giving. Are you guys with me, yes or no? I'm going to say that the reciprocity is a natural progression of it. How many of you have a client, no matter what you, you do for them, they do more for you? How many of you have that? Is that a cool thing, yes or no? Those are the gifts to remind you when you meet the other ones. Is that okay? Okay. And not everybody gives the same way. And I used to tell the story back in the day of my client named Kurt, who was an engineer. And I did this for him, and I did that for him, and I did this. I did miracles. I sold a house we couldn't sell. I got him a house he couldn't buy. I got him a loan he shouldn't have gotten. I got him moved over. I got this. I got unbelievable stuff. And I gave him items of value, and I did him by gifts. And we did this, and we brought him to client parties, and I took him to lunch. And in two years, he never sent me a referral. Now, he's an engineer. Have you ever worked with an engineer? I discovered parts of the contract I didn't even know existed. He was one of these guys who wanted to read. The document he was signing. (laughs) I only did 1,100 transactions, so I never actually met one of those people before. And he was the driest personality he ever met. You guys remember Winnie the Pooh? Remember the donkey in Winnie the Pooh? His name was E.R. Remember? Oh, no. Sunny day. Probably get sunburned. Kurt's children, who loved him, Nicknamed him E. R. <laughs> and I'm giving 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 what am I doing? And I'm giving and I'm giving. And after a couple of years, I got a phone call one day. Hi, Brian. This is Kurt. Hey Kurt, how you doing? He said, I have someone here at the office who's excited to talk to you. <concurrently performing> I got a referral for you. And I I, I didn't even think about the referral. Business was good at the time, but I couldn't resist. I said, Kurt, you got someone excited. (laughs) I'd like to hear about that sometime. He hands over the phone. Hi, Brian, this is Bob. (laughs) A fellow engineer with a very similar personality. Now, let me tell you this. When I went on that appointment, Bob had 1,000% trust in me because the most non-salesman in the planet described in detail what I had done for him and his family. And when I went on this appointment, this thorough engineer, he he read the contract kind of like for enjoyment. But he said, I'll sign it before you. I don't need it. I'll read it later. And we'll do this. And by the way, he ended up listing what became the largest sale I ever made as an individual real estate agent? Never grow weary in doing good. Never grow weary in doing good. Neville Graff. Neville Graff was a client of mine. Neville Graff grew up in apartheid South Africa. Okay, now I've been to South Africa. In fact, outside of the US and Canada, our largest next market for our business is in South Africa. And I would love to tell you stories about that sometime. Like going, we went down there a few years ago, and going into a village and they have the 100 Days to Greatness. And people coming out of villages and who used to live in tin sheds now have their own businesses and their own lives using 100 Days to Greatness. Unbelievable stuff. Life-changing stuff. OK, beautiful. And they actually, here's the thing, they write the notes and everything, those people. Yeah. So hey, <laughs> okay, we can hook you up. And go visit South Africa. It'd be great for you. Neville Graff grew up during apartheid South Africa. Neville manages to come to America. He becomes a roofer. He goes to this church up in San Marcos. I'd sold the pastor a church. I'd sold his two best friends who went to the church homes. Neville goes, it was a real fixer-upper of a house, and yada, yada. You know, the roofer, the last thing he wants to do is work on his own roof, and the painter, the last thing he wants to do is paint his house. The house, it needed a new roof, honest to God. So he gets a referral from the pastor and the two men he trusts the most, and they tell him, Brian Buffini walks on water, yada, yada, yada. So Neville calls me. I go over. I go on the appointment. I really like it. He used to play soccer in South Africa. We hit it off unbelievably. But I don't really tell him about my background or whatever else. So we decide we're going to put his house on the market. But I say, Level, in order to get you a top dollar, we got to do some of these things. Someone's going to walk through here. They're not going to buy. Things that are easy for you are hard for them. Expensive. It's a first time buyer house. So I gave him a list. And I said, here's the thing. We need to work on the roof, Neville. And we need to do this. And we need to do that. And clean it up. Are you good with this? I think I can get you this if it's fixed up. I think it's that if we don't. He said, I want to do it. I said, Okay. So how soon can you do that? He said, four weeks. I said, fine. And so... I said, on the fourth week, I'm going to call you. I'm going to come up, check out the house, and then I'm going to put it on the market. And we're going to put it on for this, and we'll do this, and here's my plan. Now, have you ever had a client that doesn't hear a shagging thing you say? So we are doing deals left, right, and center, yada, yada, 30 deals in escrow. I've been working like hard, 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 hard. And Bev and I managed to get a weekend away. Because at the time, you know, I'm married to the phone. I said, here's the thing. I put a message on there. I'm gone for the weekend. I won't be back. I didn't have an assistant at the time. And so I don't take the phone with me. Don't take the pager with me, you know? So what happens is Neville thought that we were putting the house on the market the next day. So that was his expectation. So here's what happens We go away to Palm Springs. And Friday, Neville thought his house is going on the market. So he starts calling. And he's leaving messages on my voicemail. I don't have an assistant yet. Yada, yada. Where are you? I need your call. I thought we were on the market today. And then what happens is, He's not getting calls back. He's not getting a return call. And now all of a sudden, he goes from being like the super cool guy to very upset to very upset. So I go on the appointment. And that's where he starts from. And he's pissed. I go, you're upset. Let me hear what you're upset. Great, 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 great. I had it in writing. I had the listing agreement written that he signed 30 days from then. All the stuff around. And I said, so here's what I'm hearing you say. You feel like you've been disrespected. You feel like you had this, all these fellows tell you I was going to do this great job for you, and then it'll let you down. And then you've been calling me on the one weekend I've taken away, but you call me, you left a bunch of messages, and it's brought up for you a whole bunch of stuff that you've had to fight through in the past. Is that true? Great. I said, here's what I want you to know, I apologize. I am the professional, and if you came away with the wrong impression, it's because I didn't communicate it properly, and I didn't do it right. OK, so here's what I want you to know. I want you to know how I work. And I don't care if this is a $125,000 house or a $5 million house. I said, you get the white glove treatment, me," And this is how we're going to do This is how this is going to roll. I had to work hard with him. I had to build trust with him. And I went through the process. I wrote him a note. I sent him a little gift certificate for his wife. I said, sorry for this dress. Take your bride out for a night. Sorry about that, yada, yada. I, I did the showings myself. I did all these different things, yada, 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 yada. We got the home sold. We got them moved into another house. Uh, it was a very difficult transaction. I got bumped and bruised all the way along. He did a lot of pencil tax returns and all of that kind of stuff. And so let's just say there was a small surgery that went on during the transaction, known as a commissionectomy. So other than this, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? You following me? I kept serving him. I kept giving to him. I'd bring him to the client parties. I referred him business. I became his main source for referring him leads for his roofing business. I'm loving them up. I'm giving them items of value. I'm popping by. And one day I say, Hey, Nev, just so you know, after years, I go, Neville, just so you know, if you think about anyone who's thinking about buying or selling a home, just give me a call. And he goes, Brian, look, I'm up on the roof. I work by myself. I'm alone all day long. I come home. I got the six kids. Yada yada. you understand. And so, yadda, I just don't know a lot of people. I said, Well, just do this. Just think about it for me. And just so you know, I'm never too busy for someone who could really use what I do. He says, You bet. True as I am standing here, I get a phone call about a week later. And I've been given, 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 given. Just a general reminder. He goes, Brian, I don't know if you'd be interested in this. And this is 1994 when the the first major recession hit and there were massive foreclosures in California. He goes, but I'm the roofer for Mission Federal Credit Union, which is the largest San Diego-based bank. And he said, you know, one of the things they do is when they, they have one of these things called a foreclosure, is they call me in to do the roof. And so I was talking to the gentleman who's the president of the bank that I actually deal with directly, and he said they've had some problems with some realtors. And I just want to know, would you be interested in talking to him? <laughs> I'm like, does a bear take a reader's digest in the woods? Yeah, I'd be interested in talking to him. <laughs> so I go on the appointment. Now, true story Neville shows up in the truck, and his truck looked like it'd been a demolition derby. He has the tar on his hands, and he's wearing a suit that was given to him by someone in the church. And it's about a size and a half too big. And he said the last time he was in a suit was the day he got married. And he walks in, and we go on the appointment. And it's, you know, this, I, I'm nervous as can be, and this and any other. I sit down. And I have my briefcase and all the presentation stuff and whatever else. And Neville sits down. And Neville says, Frank, how are you? Good to see you. I have the briefcase on my lap. <laughs> I said, Lim, wanted to introduce you to Brian. And he goes, yeah, I thought you guys should get hecked. And he goes on to tell him how I've served him. And he had, he had all these things I'd done that I'd forgotten. And your man says, well, Brian, you sound like our kind of guy. I have 12 properties that what I'd like you to do is we'll fix them up before we put them on the market. By the way, if you can sell them before we hit the market, I'd love to just work with one realtor. And uh, you tell me what you think they're worth, and we'll go. Would that be something you'd be interested in? (laughs) Now, I know this is impossible to believe, but I had actually not said anything yet. (laughs) And I went, thank you. And off I went. That was my largest source of business for the next two years. And I averaged selling about 70% of those transactions myself. Sold those properties for and him and hit the market. And he wanted me to do that. You have to trust that there's a law, that if you obey the law, the law is gonna pay you back. And if you try to control it, you won't get much. You gotta hold it with an open hand. So do this little exercise with me. Hold your hand out. Now, I want you to take your hand and close it as tight as you can, right? Because we're all control freaks here, right? Let's just get it up in the air. Say, I'm a control freak, one, two, three. Of course you are. Now, let's say you have little dinner rolls, and that's all you could put on your hand. How many dinner rolls could you get on that hand? Okay. If Joe Nego's here, a closed hand, about eight. The guy has the (laughs) biggest hand. Now, I want you to take your hand and open it up. Fingers slightly spread. Now do it so that there's as far as you can stretch your fingers. Come on. You should feel it in your forearm. Can you do it? How many little of those dinner rolls could you pile up on that sucker? Could you get a couple there and build up a couple? Could you build a little pyramid? Yes or no? Close. It's taking. This is giving. If you give with an open hand, you'll see an abundance that you never imagined. And it'll be more than you can control. And at the end of the day, that's what we all want. Would you guys agree? So here's the formula. It's 80% give, it's 10% ask, and it's 10% grow. You guys already know this. I wanted to cement that principle, and I'll give you a couple tools. You already know, but is it nice to be reminded yes or no? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give. First of all, we're going to give service that sells. Service that sells. Say it with me. You're going to serve people so that it sells. Seven in 10 Americans say they are willing to spend more money with companies they believe provide excellent customer service. Here's what the market thinks. Here's what technology companies think. People are going to buy and sell homes, and the millennials, they don't want to pay for anything. It's going to be all done through technology. That's all they're going to do, and they're going to go with the cheapest people out there. And those are the same kids that spend $19 on a craft beer or go to some coffee shop where some animal ate a coffee bean, secreted it through their system. You ever heard of this? Kopi Luwak or whatever it's called? And they poop out the beans and people harvest the beans. And it's like 40 bucks for a cup of coffee. Oh, so aroma. This is why I drink tea. So don't tell me those kids won't pay value. But you need to be able to have value and communicate your value. And if you can do that, you'll have all the customers you can handle. Are you guys hearing me? Next, value that lasts. Value that lasts. Harry Buffini was the Mr. Miyagi, the Buffini family. And every day he'd look at your work and he'd ask you the question and he'd say this. "Can Can you put your name to that? Can you put your name to that? He was asking, can you put my name to it? Talking about himself. And if you couldn't put your name to it, you did it over. Because you need to give more than the client's asking for, Buffini's. And if we do that, we'll be all right. And that business worked for 125 years until my dad said, well, Brian, it looks like you found a better gig. <laughs> try not to become a person of success, Albert Einstein said, but I rather try to become a person of value. And then lastly, thanks a million. Thanks a million. That's an Irish phrase, go raibh míle Okay? If you come to the podcast studio, you'll see a big sign on the wall. It says, Cade Mila Falchi. It's how Irish people greet one another. It's 100,000 welcomes. We're the masters of overstating. But not just the Irish. It's been around a long time. And this is something, this is the most important quote that I think about every single day in my life. I, I say this out loud at least once a day. My kids are sick of it. But they know it's true. Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, it is the parent of all others. Here's a couple of stats on it. Grateful people will have 10% fewer stress-related illnesses. Grateful people on average give 20% more of their money and time back. Overall, positive emotions can add up to seven years to your life. The most grateful countries in the world are South Africa, the United Arab Emirates, Philippines, and India. The least, Netherlands, Denmark, Hungary, Czech Republic, and of course, England on the bottom. Ask what they need. Ask what they need. The first step to success in any business is to ask your customers what they want. You've got to ask them. Ask your very best clients. When you refer me, what do you say? Next, ask for the business. Hardy Buffini, Saturday nights. Colombo and Starsky and Hutch, that was the two deals. Okay? Now, what do we say? How do we go with it? Oh, by the way, can you say it together? Can you say it like you're real pros at it? One, two, three. So we're asking gently. And here's the thing. You have to ask what you need. My grandmother, Maya, died in 1973. My grandfather lived by himself until 1982 when he passed away. Every Saturday, without fail, he came over and spent all day Saturday with us. And every Saturday for nine years, he brought with him a cake. Now, I didn't know. We used to call it the cake with the hole in it. I didn't know it came to America and they, they have a name for it a bundt cake. <laughs> so listen to me. About a month before he died, my brother Dermot's always the he was the inquisitor. He always asked the questions. And Dermot might have been, let me see, Dermot might have been 10. So he's sitting there. He goes, who why do you bring uh, the hot cake with the hole in it every Saturday? And he goes, well, I thought you just liked it. He goes, no, we hate it. He goes, that's too bad. I hate it too. <laughs> he never asked what we liked. So he kept bringing the wrong cake every, every Saturday, 52 times a year for nine years. Now, because we're savages, we ate it. But the thing about it was, I mean, it was something sweet in the house. You know what I mean? You've given, 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 give 80%. You've earned the right to gently say, oh, by the way, is that a true statement? Yes or no? See, he asked for the endorsement. Asked for the endorsement. What's another way of saying that? Ask yeah, me the referral, saying, hey, do you know anybody? Just, just anybody who comes to mind. Just think of me. My mother used to say this. If you don't speak up, you don't get." The way she used to say it is a dumb priest never gets a parish. So let's talk about growing, which is very close to your guys' hearts. Grow your business. Grow your business. And one of the key ingredients there is success occurs when opportunity meets preparation grow your business. Next, grow your influence. By the way, you become more influential the more you grow yourself, the more you push your own boundaries. Grow your influence. Here's the thing. Henry Cloud wrote Boundaries 25 years ago. It was in the top five again in the New York Times. Apparently, people still need boundaries today like they did then. But we also need to push our boundaries. John Maxwell said it this way. Confront your inadequacies and push your personal boundaries. It's the surest way to grow, improve, and expand the scope of your influence, which will turn right back in the law, of the harvest, right back into your business. If this all makes sense, say aye. And the last thing is grow yourself. Ziggy, he said, if you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. And if you're determined to learn, no one can stop you. Powerful content, give, ask, grow. A lot of times we give yet maybe don't ask, so we don't grow. It seems simple enough, but it's a very powerful formula. As we close today, I'd like to hand over to Brian's mum, Therese, for a little Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.